all this, Jeff, adds up to globally, there's just tens and tens of billions of dollars that are going into building out charging infrastructure that is now the core need besides the volume of EVs to get consumers to adopt it. And that's leading to, which we'll get to in a few minutes, getting to massive opportunities for businesses and entrepreneurs. Hi, everyone. Did you know there's an electric vehicle gold rush taking place that involves billions and billions of dollars? Did you know this gold rush is creating, in the words of my guest expert, massive opportunities for all kinds of people, whether they're looking for jobs, careers, businesses to start, or places to invest their money? Who knows? Maybe you'll be among those who will seize one of these opportunities. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, and hey, why not? Then please join us for this episode, episode number 110 of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. My guest expert, Lauren McDonald, will share his expertise on such things as what trends he's seeing right now as we move full speed ahead into electrifying our vehicles. What countries and companies are leading the pack in the EV revolution? What are some examples of the myriad opportunities the EV revolution is creating? And what else Lauren envisions we'll see happening in the EV space during the rest of this decade? And in typical looking forward fashion, you'll also get some ideas on what you or someone you care about can do to start capitalizing on the massive opportunities Lauren believes the EV industry has to offer. Through his website and consulting firm, EV Adoption, Lauren McDonald conducts research and analysis for companies and organizations trying to understand how the transition to electric vehicles will impact their business and the key factors that will drive or hinder consumer adoption of EVs. He leverages more than 30 years of experience as a marketing executive, consultant, and evangelist for companies including IBM and Arthur Anderson. He's also a contributing writer to Clean Technica, and his research and analysis have been cited in the New York Times, Washington Post, and USA Today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Yes, we're all about opportunities here. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Hey, it's great to be back on, Jeff. I can't believe it's been two and a half years, but excited to be back. Yes, I can't believe it either. The amount of action, we'll call it, taking place in the world where you're an expert, Lauren, EVs, is dramatic. I'm timing our episode as a follow-up to my episode with Tyson Jomini because Tyson gets into EVs 
sort of at the 10,000 foot level. You're an expert on what's happening in the EV industry, Lauren. Can you please either remind our listeners who heard you when you're on two and a half years ago, or those who haven't heard you before, what got you interested in EVs and tracking EV developments? It's something that literally when I was a kid, I was one of those kids that would walk along the street and pick up beer cans and, and Coke cans and take them to the recycling center and get my $4 so I could go buy a Black Sabbath or a punk rock record, whatever it was at the time. So I, I always had an sustainability and that grew into an interest in electric cars. And literally back in the mid to late nineties, I actually tried to get into the EV industry. I applied for a PR job at a company called US car, which is based out here in Northern California in Sonoma County. And I still have the postcard where they said, you're imminently qualified, but we don't have any openings right now. They went bankrupt about six months later. So I tried to get into the industry, literally, whatever that math is, 26 years ago or something like that. And also tried to lease an EV1, the GM EV1, but I don't think I met the income criteria or something like that. But, and then just really followed it like everybody when the Nissan Leaf and Chevy Volt and Tesla Model S emerged around 2010 to 12 in that area. I really got interested in it, was working full-time in the digital marketing industry, doing storytelling, content marketing, and data. And so started a blog and ultimately that transitioned and became EV adoption in 2017. And then I started getting clients asking me to do forecasts and speaking and consulting on the future of the space. So then it became my full-time gig, actually, right after our first podcast two and a half years ago. Yeah. And it's been quite a ride in the last couple of years. It sure has. You illustrate there, Lauren, where timing is such a critical factor. 30 years ago, whatever, it wasn't time yet. But that's great because you stayed interested in it. Yep. And it just happened to be there, only it was percolating when you and I met and you were positioned well to make something out of that career that you had thought about 30 years earlier. Yeah, as we chatted earlier, it's all about making your own timing, right? Tyson talked about what I'll call the macro trend of EVs being hot, okay, getting hotter. Yeah. But you're in the industry, so can you speak a little bit more deeply, Lauren, about what trends are having an impact on the EV industry now? Yep. And how does that differ from when you were on this show nearly two and a half years ago, when you were talking about it was just starting to take off? Yeah, there, there are actually several things that have happened, Jeff, in the last couple of years that are impacting the EV industry globally and in North America, as well as the charging industry. The first is, as everybody knows, is just supply chain. The supply chain challenges for chips and all sort of things, electronics have had a massive impact on the supply of EV. So a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I went to the local Mercedes-Benz dealer to test drive the EQB SUV and we get in and Mercedes is a luxury vehicle, right? Guess what? They're literally selling this luxury Mercedes electric SUV without power seats. Wow. Because they don't have the chips for the power seats. So literally uh -huh. it's that little bar you grab underneath the seat. Can you imagine <laughs> spending $70,000 on a Mercedes, which is a cheap Mercedes, yeah. and it doesn't have power seats. And so what's happening is the automakers are choosing which vehicles to put 
their spare chips in. And sometimes they don't go into EVs, they will go into their higher volume gas powered cars and stuff. So that's just a simple example. But then that also impacts over on the battery side. And the really probably the single biggest issue that it's emerged you know, this year, particularly is just the battery supply chain issues, right? In that you have all of the battery cells and the minerals, the lithium, the copper, the manganese, all these different minerals that go into the batteries. There's only so much mines that are out there that are able to mine these. And many of them are either in China or controlled by Chinese companies. As an example, there's several mines in Australia uh, for lithium that Chinese companies acquired and purchased and control. And as you and your listeners know, particularly here in the US and North America, we're trying to rebuild up our supply chain around batteries. And yet we don't have the mines, right? To mine all these materials. And it can take up to 10 years, five to seven to 10 years in many cases, to go from acquiring the land, going through the environmental processes, getting that up and running to ultimately refining those and having those materials go into the battery cells that go into EVs. So the battery supply chain and shortages are probably the single biggest opportunity as well. There's so much money going into companies that are along that supply chain, right? So think about all the environmental firms and the mining companies and as well as the companies that do the refining and then basically taking those minerals and converting it into usable materials to actually make the battery cells from and then turning the cells into battery packs. And then you think about all the companies that are building the factories in Kentucky or Georgia or whatever it is, right? And in many cases, those battery cell factories might be co-located with the EV assembly factories, right? And so it's there's just this sort of chain reaction of things going around that. On the positive side, I think, is we've seen a growing number of bans, for lack of a better term, and legislation that are basically saying 2030, 2035, 2040 around the world. There's probably about a dozen, 15 or so different target end dates of when the internal combustion engines, we like to refer to the industry, ICE, ICE, is when sales of new ICE vehicles will be banned or phased out. California got a lot of press back in, I think it was the end of August with their 2035 ban. Some other states have followed, but there's many countries around the world that have similar bans around that time frame. Whether people agree that's the right way to do this and that the governments should be banning a certain type of powertrain, that's a whole separate issue. But the fact that they're happening is a huge driving force in both investment and companies basically gearing up their transition. Many of the automakers were daddling, if you will, with EVs and all of these, both sort of the legislative bans as well as the investment that we'll get to in a second, is actually moving them more quickly. Ford and GM in particular have announced multiple EV factories and battery cell joint ventures and things like that. And so there's those two things together are driving massive infrastructure that's going to be needed to build these EVs at volume. And then I think the last part that I would share is the EV charging infrastructure investment that's happening all over the world. But especially here in, in the U.S., we have what's called the NEVI program, the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program which is $5 billion that's been allocated to all of the states and DC and Puerto Rico 
And that's going to build out tens of thousands of fast chargers across the USA, building them out, particularly in highway corridors. Then there's several other billions of dollars that are going to build them out in rural areas and within cities. And then you have all of the local cities and counties that are investing. You have utilities. Almost all of the major utilities are gearing up their investment in EV charging infrastructure. Because guess what? More AVs means more plugging in of cars, which means more revenue for the utilities. And so all this, Jeff, adds up to globally, there's just tens and tens of billions of dollars that are going into building out charging infrastructure that is now the core need besides the volume of EVs to get consumers to adopt it. And that's leading to, which we'll get to in a few minutes, getting to massive opportunities for businesses and entrepreneurs. Excellent. I love the term massive opportunities. <laughs> and, and so do our listeners. Would this be basically an understatement to say that the reason why EVs are now generating, no pun intended, so much interest is because of climate change? Absolutely. It's the fundamental underpinning and the driving force between the legislation and the investment is to produce GHGs. I forget the exact percentage, but in generally, it varies around the world, but generally about a quarter of greenhouse gases come from the transportation sector, right? It varies by by region and market. We're very car-centric here in North America and other parts. It might be that the actual power generation is significantly higher because they have a lot of coal power plants or something like that. And so transportation has been targeted in every part of the world because of that internal combustion engine and that, that sort of volume and amount of greenhouse gases. So a lot of money and opportunity flowing to help reduce that. And then the secondary effect of that, obviously, is that anybody who owns and drives an EV will tell you that it's a better experience. It's a better vehicle. And there's the, the byproducts of it's not just switching to reduce GHGs. It's actually a better driving experience ultimately. And it's going to lead to things that, that we may or may not have time to get into today, but things like vehicle to grid and vehicle to home, where the vehicle actually becomes a mobile energy storage vehicle, not just a transportation device. Wow. I'm sure that you could talk to us for hours about this, <laughs> but we're going to try to rein it in. You touched on this, Lauren. I want to come back to it again. As you know, from having been on this show, looking forward is heard around the world. We look at things from a global perspective. Can you speak a little bit more to any differences you might be seeing between how things are evolving in other parts of the world besides North America, United States, Canada. Are people pursuing this at much different paces, countries pursuing this at much different paces? Yeah, exactly. And that was where I was going to start, Jeff, in that it's starting to change. But China was obviously China as a country and government basically made a decision, I think, think, I'm not sure exactly when, but let's say 12, 15 years ago, they targeted EVs as a strategic opportunity for the country. Like they basically determined we are going to dominate. And so they basically started investing in incentives and everything, everything that, and it started with the mines, right? I mean, they literally as a country and government, they figured out how they were going to dominate this. And that's why most of the, the battery cells and 
the materials and everything that go into EVs come from China at, at some level. And then they created their government and consumer incentives to basically drive EV sales. And so China was way ahead of North America initially. We're still far behind. In Europe, in the EU, because they have the EU directives and regulations and stuff, they started years ago what's called the emissions mandate, where they actually mandated a reduction in emissions from the automakers. And if you didn't hit a certain level, you were fined significantly. Several of the European automakers or automakers that sell in Europe have paid billions of dollars in, in fines. And so Europe got ahead of North America as well, because again, in this case, they were somewhat forced to it. And so many of the European countries are at 20, 30, 40% EV sales share. And obviously everybody knows about Norway, which is like 90%. And where we literally only have California here in, in the US that approaches what most European countries are, all the other states are well behind. So from just a regulatory perspective, very different around the world. And if you look at Latin America and South America and places like that, they're nowhere, right? Absolutely nowhere. So it is very different around the world. So that regulatory environment has been key to pushing the industries to move forward. So that's the first thing. And so I would say North America is starting to catch up a bit, right? Just as we talked about earlier, we have a lot of these ice bands and we have all this investment that's coming in just in the last year. But we're two, three, four years behind Europe as an example, but we'll start to catch up on that at some level. There's a lot of the markets like Africa, for example, that are not necessarily car centric, Jeff. And so I think what we're seeing in a lot of those other markets is the electrification of transportation and the opportunities is with like e-bikes and scooters and things like that. And so in Asia and Africa and different markets, that's one of the sort of the difference in micro mobility, the smaller vehicles that are being electrified. India, as an example, is they've already moved aggressively on the like the rickshaws, electrifying the rickshaws and scooters and things like that. So we tend wow. to think about this just as cars and trucks because us here in the U.S., right, we're so car centric. But in other parts of the world, it's smaller vehicles and it's these sort of e-bikes and scooters and things that is the different and biggest shift and difference as well. I'd love to hear that because here in North America, we sometimes think we're the center of the universe and sometimes we're not. Or as you're pointing out, Lauren, the way we're looking at something is different from another place around the world, another country, yep. where maybe they're not as car century. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, event hosting and meeting facilitation, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. 
You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. Looking Forward is very much about opportunities, Lauren. You touched on this earlier. Let's revisit that. What opportunities do you believe the EV industry offers to any of the following groups? Job and career seekers, entrepreneurs, freelancers, small businesses, or investors? Yeah, there's just massive opportunities all across those sectors. So if you just look at businesses and entrepreneurs, I would say just any sort of business opportunity. Think about all of the challenges that we've talked about so far, Jeff, and what problems can you solve? So whether it's those supply chain issues, one of the things we haven't talked about yet is just one of the biggest problems in EV charging right now is it's just a horrendous experience, right? Chargers are broken. People don't understand as newbie drivers, they don't understand the charge. They don't understand all the power levels, right? There's opportunity for education and marketing and just building out that infrastructure. There's opportunities for hundreds, if not thousands of companies to get into the consulting and EV charging deployment space, right? First and foremost, just think about what was the old Kaiser cement truck saying, find a hole and fill it. It's like, <laughs> there's just a massive number of problems that need to be solved in this space. Secondly, from a career perspective, one of the things I'm seeing, Jeff, and I talk to startup companies and large companies almost every day in the EV space. And one of the things I see is a lot of these companies are sorted by either engineering types or sort of investor types. And so they're often lacking marketing types. I see horrendous websites from a lot of these companies. So from a career perspective, think about who a lot of these companies are and their opportunities to go in and help recruiting, right? These companies are going from two people to, to 50 people in 12, 18 months and stuff. So recruiting is one of the hottest spots going right now. If you look on LinkedIn, you'll see I get the connection from a headhunter almost every day, right? Because because they're all trying to find people for these companies. And then the lastly, I would say, Jeff, on the investor side, I always like to tell people, think about this as like the 1849 gold rush in California and that the opportunities are the companies that sold the picks and shovels and the, the Levi's 501 blue jeans. And I won't say whether I invested in about 20 different EV stocks or not, <laughs> but as anybody who's looked at their stock portfolio who may have, the opportunities probably are with those companies that are like that. They're the pick and shovel and the blue jeans companies at least for now, and less so on the EV companies and EV charging companies. Many of them are just are years away from profiting. One of my favorite spaces is the solid state batteries, which by the end of this decade is going to be a massive change in the type of batteries we use in EVs, I believe. But again, they may be 10 years away, right? So if you invest in these companies today, it's going to be a long time before they pay off. So patience and invest in those companies that are suppliers to the companies. Very good information. I'm wondering, Lauren, with regard to what's happening in the industry now, are there any particular players in the industry? This is a terrible pun, forgive me, yeah. Yeah. who are leading the charge Okay. <laughs> and I'm not talking just about the manufacturers of the EVs. You can mention those, of course, but also those ancillary players, the ones that we don't know about who yeah. are in the back office, so to speak, of the whole thing. 
you're probably working with some of these companies right now. Yeah, absolutely. One I'll mention, and they just closed $35 million in their Series B funding today is a San Francisco-based company called WeaveGrid. WeaveGrid is, and they have a couple of competitors, Flex Charging and EV.Energy as well, that are doing what's called managed charging. So basically, they work with your utility, and I actually do this. I'm a customer where my Tesla, I turn it over to them to manage when it actually charges. They determine the best time, the best rate, the best source of power generation that's on the grid at a particular time. So they determine if my car charges at four o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, whatever. And you can always opt out. But so that's one company. Another one that's getting just a lot of press is Redwood Materials, which was founded by J.B. Straubel, who was the CTO at Tesla for years. And Redwood Materials is going to be a massive company in the future, which is doing recycling of batteries and not just EV batteries, but in fact, they just announced a deal with Audi last week where if you go to an Audi dealer, you can bring in like old cell phones and things like that, batteries, and they're taking out the batteries and those will all be recycled into battery cells for EVs. And then I touched on this a minute ago on solid state batteries, one of my favorite sort of startup companies out of Colorado is Solid Power that's basically building sort of the technology for these solid state batteries and manufacturing processes and things like that. You have the three that I mentioned, they're the only one that's actually already public, but I expect Redmond Materials to probably do an IPO in in a couple of years and stuff. But yeah, those are just examples. There's obviously a lot of companies in the EV charging space as well. And one thing you mentioned before we went on the air which I also found interesting is that even 7-Elevens and retail operations like that are coming to you because they want to understand better how this is all playing out. Yeah, the EV charging space is fascinating because wherever there's a plug, right, there's an outlet. In theory, there's an opportunity to deploy EV charging. It's obviously a little bit more complicated than that. But yeah, convenience store chains are going to be a massive opportunity going forward around EV charging. They provide a great experience around the restrooms. It's well lit. There's people on site. You can go in and get a coffee, you can get a sandwich. They've got the parking lot. They've got everything that's needed for a superior charging experience than somebody just throwing some chargers in the back of a building next to a highway where you have to walk or drive to restrooms or to get food and things like that. Lauren, I would be stating the obvious if I said that as we look into the future, this is not going to go away. We're not going to have these ICEs, internal combustion engines with us for the next 50 years. They're going to gradually fade. What else do you see just in this decade in terms of how the EV industry is going to evolve? One is right now that these are just expensive, right? The batteries are very expensive and you look at the average cost they tend to be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. It it varies more expensive than similar gas powered vehicles and stuff. And that trend is going to continue for several years, especially with the battery supply chain issues and stuff. Battery costs are actually going up right now, reversing the 10 year decline. But later this decade, the big shift's gonna be as these the EV prices start to come down and be much more competitive with or without government incentives. Right now, we're still in the early adoption phase where people that make a decent living don't care and they go out and they pay because they want to drive an EV. But for mass adoption, we've got to get that down. 
I touched on vehicle to grid and vehicle to home slightly. We don't have time, Jeff, to get into detail. To me, the single most exciting thing about the transition to EVs is that large battery pack that's in the EVs becomes a mobile energy storage vehicle, right? In other words, you can drive to work if you commute to work and your employer has solar at work, you can charge up your EV during the day at work and then drive home and dock your car with your house. This is the future vision, right? And use that stored energy that came from solar power during the day, send it back to the grid or power your house, those types of things. The underlying technology is there. It's going to take many years before that becomes mainstream. But that to me is the single biggest, most exciting thing that's going to happen this decade with electric vehicles is that we call vehicle to X, grid, home, et cetera, of being able to tap into that stored energy. Sounds great. We don't like to just talk about opportunities on looking for it. We also like to help our listeners take a step or two in the direction of capitalizing on them. Can you give our listeners a couple, three tips how they might be able to take that first step or two? Yeah, absolutely. I would say just follow your underlying skill set and competency and and marry that with your passion and and solving the problem. And I'll give you a couple of quick examples. A good friend of mine, Matt Teske, is the CEO and founder of a company called Chargeway that's an EV charging app uh, that helps you basically figure out where you can charge your car with the compatible chargers in the level of speeds and stuff. He had a branding agency and he understands user experience and he saw this problem of how confusing EV charging was. And so he quit his brand agency and built this Chargeway app and business that's helping solve the charging confusion. So he's got not just the app, but like he calls it a beacon. It's a display. He sells these to to dealers so the dealers can actually educate consumers buying EV. So that's one example. Another example I use, I know a guy who's the CEO of an EV charging company that's deploying charging stations and chargers at apartment complexes. What was his background? He was an investor. He basically did funding for multifamily. So he knew that industry, that he knew everything about what drives multifamily owners and then saw the EV charging opportunity and married the two. Oh, and then I know a guy who actually, I didn't know him, but we both worked at IBM. He reached out to me. He's an engineer type, does programming. He's starting to dabble with building up data-driven databases around different aspects of the charging data. And he'll probably build a successful business around that. So he's combining, again, this sort of core skill set with the passion around solving the particular problems. And hopefully those sort of examples help bring that to life is just marry those two things and you've got an opportunity. That's perfect because when you can marry something that you're naturally good at, yep. or if you have experience in it with what's happening in the EV industry, it sounds like you'll definitely be able to find a place. I actually want to ask you one quick question before we tell people how they can learn more about you. And you've got excellent resources where people can learn more about what's happening in the EV industry, which will help them find the opportunity. But I want to ask you, are there any new auto manufacturers that are surfacing here that aren't the typical ones that you hear about that might potentially be leaders in the industry? There's a couple of them. One is a Vietnamese company called VinFast. They've already just launched in Europe, and they're going to be bringing two models to the U.S. 
so VinFast is an interesting company. And then obviously companies like Lucid and Rivian, which many people have probably heard of that are, I hate to use the comparison to Tesla startups and stuff, have a lot of capital behind them or building great products. They both have been having little problems on the supply chain and manufacturing side, but ultimately they, they make amazing products and are going to be, I think, huge down the road and, and big companies. There's several, I think it's interesting on the, the fleet side, you have companies like Proterra, which is a California-based company that makes electric buses. We tend to think about cars and pickups and SUVs and stuff like that, but there's a lot of companies building delivery vans, including Rivian, right? They have the big contract with Amazon. GM actually has a separate division called Bright Drop that's making electric delivery vans for FedEx and stuff like that. There's a lot of companies targeting those sort of smaller commercial fleet spaces, which right now I would say, Jeff, probably a good thing to close out on the fleet EV space, both from, from the vehicle and software and infrastructure is probably the single hottest space going right now in the EV industry. Wow. The fleet industry, fleet vehicles. Yeah, the cars, trucks, everything, because think about it. What's the fleet manager's job? Fleet manager's job is total cost of ownership. Their job is to reduce the cost of their fleet. And EVs have a higher initial cost right now, but to operate them is much lower. So the fleet owners and fleet managers literally have woken up in the last year or two and they're all going aggressively in this space. And so all of the suppliers, all the fleet management companies, software companies, the big ones, they're all going after this space as well. So that's a really fascinating market, Jeff. We could probably spend an hour just on that. This is like a revolution. A revolution <laughs> of opportunity is what it sounds like to me. And you're right at the vortex of it all. Laura McDonald, please tell our listeners what is the best way for them to learn more about you, about your company, EV Adoption? I know you've got a great newsletter, how they can work with you and whatever else you'd like them to know about you. Yeah, I mean, EVAdoption.com. I actually have uh, some other websites as well, but EVAdoption.com, you can go there and subscribe to my newsletter to keep in contact, have a lot of resources. Also, LinkedIn, I'm seeing a massive amount of engagement on LinkedIn. So you, you can just uh, search for Warren McDonald in, on LinkedIn at you'll see my, my handsome mugshot on there and the EV <laughs> stuff. That's how you know it's me. And then on Twitter, I'm an EV adoption tweet. Yeah, any of those, whatever your preference of communication. That's great. Lauren, it's wonderful having you on again. It's so exciting to hear about what's happening with EVs, the industry all the changes. And most of it sounds like when it plays out, it's all going to be for the good. Lots of opportunities, cleaner air, better vehicles. It just sounds so positive. Thanks again for being with us today, Lauren. Thanks, Jeff. It was an honor and, and hopefully we'll be another two and a half years before the next one. I hope. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, business, and investment seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address 
jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.